Well, good evening. It's good to be back together and and uh, got in a good International Baptist nap this afternoon, and that makes me a little bit more refreshed. And uh, we'll be returning, or I'll be returning tomorrow. And uh, we're going to have college days uh, this week, Wednesday through Friday. We're expecting between 440 to 450 guests. So if you'll just pray, if you don't mind, pray that those young people that come to the campus from all over the country um, will find God's will for their lives in terms of whether they would surrender to ministry and go to Bible college. It's a big opportunity um, for us just to have that amount of guests on campus. But the real big opportunity is that if we would all just pray, because we do, we are convinced, aren't we not, that the Lord um, wants to call more young people into ministry. And so we're praying for that, and that God would use the college days to do that. Can I give one church planting story that I think would be an encouragement? And, and of course, in the Baptist times, boy, I just ditto all that the preacher just said. And, of course, good articles in there about church plants and about inner city ministries. But last January, this just this past January, a church planter in Arkansas by the name of Brother Abby um, was there. He was at our church planting conference about three years ago, just prior to starting a church. And then he came back last year and had just just on the verge of starting it. And then he came back this last uh, January and raised some money. And I think you all participated in that, as you always do. And he had a, I'm going to pull some numbers out of my head. He had a building that they were meeting in, um, in Arkansas. And the building was for sale. It was about $164,000. And uh, the man and the lady that owned the building said that if you buy the building, we'll bring it down to like $64,000. And so that was a blessing to see discounted like that. Amen. And the, the couple was wanting um, at least $42,000 down. Um, in February, and then they would hold the rest from the to the balance of it, uh, even at the reduced rate. And so, Brother Abby came hoping to raise forty-two thousand dollars at the church planning conference. He did not. He raised twenty-four thousand dollars at the church planning conference. So, with some little bit of fear and uh, trembling, he contacted the owner of the property and said, "I'd like to meet with you. I have some money for you." And his idea was that he would present the twenty-four thousand and ask the man to hold even a bigger portion of it, of the loan. And uh, so the man met with Brother Abby, and the man, I just heard this about a week and a half ago from Brother Abby. The man just said, listen, before we get started, there's something that my wife and I just feel like we want to share with you. And he kind of went over the history of the 164000 down to 42000 He said, we go ahead and we'd just like to give you the building for nothing. So they give them the building, the 24000 that you all participated in in other churches as well, it's now going to go towards renovating that building and getting it to the place that it needs to be at to make it even a, a nicer sanctuary, a nicer place for, for those people to worship in and to see other people get saved. And so you might say, how does that happen? God. God. Yeah. And another story real quick in Smyrna, Tennessee. Church planner came down from Indiana to start a church in Smyrna. And uh, the church was just a small group of people just meeting a little bit under a year time frame, and a church across the city was um, was declining. An older pastor, he asked if the younger pastor would like to merge. Um, the church that was the bigger city, the bigger church, had an auditorium, had a Christian school, 
And they merged the two churches together. The older pastor in his late 70s retired. The younger pastor just continued to keep the plow in the ground, to keep focused on planning a church. Uh, had opportunities to get a little distracted along the way, but the pastor just kept his eye upon planting a local church. And so while the congregation was about at 32, a young couple from Colorado comes down to that part of Tennessee to pursue their education. That man of that young couple, the husband, has back surgery. The pastor goes to the hospital. Relatives from this couple come in from Colorado to go visit the family while the husband was having the surgery. So the pastor met the father-in-law. The father-in-law went to the church service of this little church running 32. A couple weeks later, he asked his daughter, who's a member of the church there, the church plant, have that pastor call me, that pastor calls him. That man flies him to Colorado and said this, I know you have a debt now of $1.2 million since you merged. The church that they merged with was struggling, but they had a $1.2 million debt. So now this baby church has a facility, a sanctuary, auditorium, and then a classroom building, but a $1.2 million debt, 32 people. Do you see the enormity of that, amen? Huge. And the businessman said this, I could write a check and pay off all of that right now. But I don't think that would be good to do. But I'll match what your church gives every quarter. So in over, a, excuse me, in just under a year, that church of 32 people have been able to pay off $700,000 of that $1.2 million because of the matching grant. And that man said he'll go all the way up to $1.2 million. You might say, how'd that happen? Again, God. God. Yeah. And church planters that kept their plow on the ground. And even when the, it was a small group, people kept on coming together. A team together. Everyone achieves more. And not only those two examples, but you're an example of that. This church has that same history, that same legacy of a church planter, your preacher, coming in here to Queens. Could have got distracted, but he didn't. And I praise the Lord. I know you do. Amen? For all of that. And so great, great stories there, and I'm excited. And things like that are covered in the Baptist Times, which ought to encourage you all, because from what I've seen... Um, you folks are very excited about church planting. Okay. Well, thank you for having me again, preacher, for the accommodations and for letting me come. Thank you for the greeting that nearly everybody in here always gives me. You, you make me feel so special. You make me feel like you love me. If you don't, just let it be. I feel like I'm loved, all right? And my wife is asking about how the weekend was and asked about how some of you are doing and and so thank you for that. Thanks for your support at the college, your prayer support, financial support. Thank you very, very, very much. Philippians chapter 4, the title of my message is this, Filter Your Thinking. Filter Your Thinking. Philippians chapter 4, we're just going to read two verses. If you don't mind standing, if you can't stand, I'll not mention that at all. The Lord knows. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Preachers told me I have plenty of time tonight. 
He mentioned that this morning. I got done so early, and he was joking me about it. And I said, I just want to be, for a congregation, I just, it's a good way to get on a good side of a congregation, be a early let out preacher. <laughs> so, but that isn't how it happened. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, finally. <clears throat> so we can see here we have a conclusion that's coming together. And I know it's a little bit awkward for a moment. We're starting off with the word finally, but obviously there's some things that we'll cover here just in a moment by the way of a backdrop to this, this passage. But finally, brethren. So there's a final word here to the brethren. There's a final word here to the Christians. This being written for the Christian. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse 9, those things that we just saw the list of in verse 8. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. I want to say that again. Those things, that list that we just read in verse 8, which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Wow. There's a lot here. Lord, bless this time. Lord, give clear direction. Allow my tongue to preach freely for you. Clear the minds. Remove the distractions. Quiet our own hearts so that we could hear clearly what you would have to say to us this evening. We ask it in Christ's name, the name that gets sweeter every day. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. So again, a little bit of backdrop to the message, if you would. In verses 1 through 5 in this passage, I didn't read them. I'm going to try to just to jump us right in there. But Paul addressed the need for conflict resolution in the Philippian church. A conflict resolution in a church? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there can be conflict in churches. And Paul is addressing the Philippian church in verses 1 through 5. I'm just giving you a little background here. He's addressing the need to resolve some conflicts in the church. And you might say, well, that happened at the Philippian church. That's not, a, that's not applicable here. It can happen here. Churches can have conflict inside. Amen. If you haven't seen it yet, praise the Lord. But there's opportunities because where there's people, there's going to be some conflicts. And Paul addresses it here in verses 1 through 5. More specifically, we have to realize this. There was basically two dear Christian ladies that needed help from Paul to work through their problems. Two Christian ladies having some problems. And he's trying to help them in this problem, this conflict that they were having. You see, 
in order to have peace with God and with other brethren, you have to have the mind of Christ towards each other. To have peace with God and with the brethren within even a church setting, you have to have the mind of Christ towards each other. He tells us that. That's verses 1 through 5. Verses 6 through 7, we started off in verse 8, but a little bit of a backdrop again. Verses 6 through 7, there's conflict and there's some other problems. And he basically tells us when it comes to having conflict with the brethren and other problems within the family of God, they should be handled with prayer rather than worry. They should be handled with prayer rather than worry. He basically goes over that in verses 6 through 7. See, we ought to regularly give our problems that we have with other people, especially with the brethren, we ought to regularly give them over to God instead of worrying about them, instead of fretting. Now, verses 8 through 9, that's our section that I'm choosing to study on this evening. There's another vital ingredient to living for the brethren, to live at peace with God and with other people. It's basically this. Right thinking will lead to right living. Right thinking will lead to right living. But I'm convinced as I look at this in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 8, especially in verse 8 being a key uh, key verse here for us, that it calls for something that I'm just going to label here for a moment, a filter. See, in order for this statement to be true, that you have to have right thinking for right living, you need a filter. You see, when you live in a world like we do, filled with a lot of dirt, amen, we have to realize that we have to have filters. We have air filters. We have oil filters. We have fuel filters on our vehicles. We have filters for our heating system, for our air conditioning systems. We have water filtration systems. We have filters to ensure that what we're drinking is pure. What we breathe is pure. We have those things. See, you have to keep the dirt out for things to work properly. You have to keep the dirt out for things to operate properly. And we'll make application to that in a little bit. The same is true for our lives. You have to keep the dirt out of your life so that you can live properly. So that you can even relate to one another properly You need to have what I'm going to call a a joy filter for your thoughts and actions in order to live a life filled with joy. Instead of to walking around all worrying, saying, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? In order to have a life truly that Christ intends us to have, a joyful life, not just, oh, this has been a great day today, but a life filled with joy that God provides, we need to have a filter to keep some of the dirt That we have to be in on a regular basis for our thinking. And that will help our living. We need a filter. Whether you're working through a conflict now or you're just making decisions that comes with daily living. You need a filter for your thoughts and your actions that will be provided. And we basically see in verse 8 that Paul, please pay attention. Paul tells us in verse 8, the filter. He gives us a list of things that we should filter our thinking through. Look at verse 8 one more time. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, there's the first part of the filter. Whatsoever things are honest, there's the second part. 
Whatsoever things are just, there's another part. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. See, basically, Paul provides us with a list that properly, if properly used, can serve as a filter for our thoughts. See, before we can get into this, we have to realize this thought. Wrong living is the product of wrong thinking. Wrong living is the product of wrong thinking. Here's, here's some examples. See, conflicts result when two people set their mind on getting their own way. We're talking for just for a moment about people having conflict with each other. That's true for toddlers fighting over a toy. I can't remember my brother and I having Having consistently fighting all the time. He was a bully. I was bullied. I was abused. My sister. I was the baby. It was awful what they did to me. We had conflict, my brother and I, all the time. For toys, all the way up until the age of 18, 19. (laughs) Fighting over toys. Wanting to get his own way. In my way. See, that's true for toddlers, but it's true for adults that might fight over an inheritance or a position within the family. Another example of those who live a life that's in despair. They live a life worrying in a state of despair with no hope. And then the third example, those that live a life that we would call immoral. Why? Because first they filled their minds with impure thoughts. Wrong thinking will produce wrong living. Yep. We see this over and over again. So now let's get into the list. Let's make some application. Let's look at verse 8 again. And let's work our way through the list. There's a list here. Paul says this. Think on those things whatsoever things are true. True. Explanation. Trustworthy. Verifiable. Agreeing with facts. For example, if you're in a conflict, it is essential to deal with facts. When two people are having a conflict with each other, if a husband and a wife are having a conflict, deal with things that are factual. Not things that are not verifiable. Deal with things that are true. Deal with things that are verifiable. Deal with things that we can all just say this is trustworthy. Dwelling on the things that are not true will intensify a conflict. Satan is the one who is full of lies. Christians should focus on what is true. John seventeen seventeen. Basically, some simple tips. I'm just trying to help you just for a moment. Is it true? Is what you're having this big issue about, is this point within the conflict, is it true? Can it be verified? Do you know for sure that it is fact? Before you go off and and, and yell at somebody, ask yourself this question. Is this really true? With what I heard, or the way that I'm acting, or the way that I'm thinking right now, is this true? I ought to do this in my marriage. I ought to do this in relationship with the brethren. Is this true? He tells us here to think on those things that are true, that are trustworthy, verifiable. 
And then secondly, we see the next part of the filter list. Whatsoever things are honest. It's right there. Whatsoever things are honest or honorable, noble, worthy of respect. Is it proper or decent to think on these things? One commentator says this. This does not mean that we hide our heads in the sand and avoid what is unpleasant or displeasing. But it does mean that we do not focus our attention on dishonorable things, permitting them to control your thoughts. We are not to focus upon those things. We are supposed to look at the things that are true. We are supposed to think on those things that are just, moral, ethical, righteous. Does it fit into God's standards? Will this thought lead to blameless living? Think on this. Think on these things. Is this a just thought that you're running through your head at this moment? This thing that you're fixing to do, this place that you're fixing to go to, this place that you're, this thing that you're, you're about to say to somebody, is it just? Is it true? Will it, will, will it help you in God's standards for you as a child of God? Or will it help or hurt your reputation? Then scripture goes on. It says, whatsoever things are pure, chaste, innocent, without moral defect or blemish, free from carnality. You have to do this. Does this thought that I'm having right now, does this thing that's running through my mind right now, even in the secret of your own mind, in that place that no one else has an idea of what you're thinking about, you have to ask yourself, is this going to pollute my thinking? Is this thing that I'm reading right now, is this going to pollute my thinking? This, this song that I'm listening to right now, is this going to pollute my thinking? Is it pure, chaste, or is it the worldly way of thinking? Will it protect or endanger your purity? You have to think those things. Since we live in a culture that promotes sexual impurity, you must continually filter your thinking. Remove that which triggers your impure thoughts in the form of music and movies and books and social media and internet usage. Cultivate friendships that are built on purity. Pure thinking will lead to pure living. If you're struggling in certain areas, men, uh, it's not like I'm just going to pick on the men, but for a moment, I can just tell you, since I'm a male, I've got a little bit of knowledge of what it's like. And sometimes we just need to filter our thinking, guys. Sometimes we need to take out those things that trigger our impure thoughts. And sometimes it comes in the way of music, movies, television, whatever it might be. It might even be at work. It might be that just around a certain young lady at work just triggers your thinking. You've got to filter that out. Or you're going to have impure thoughts. You know it. It's there. But it's not just the guys. But the ladies struggle with that too. We live in a culture that needs to be filtered. We need to think on whatsoever things are lovely, pleasing, acceptable, friendly. Does that thought that you just had about that person promote peace or conflict? Well, I'd like to. (laughs) What's it promoting? Will it solve or add the problem? Think on those things, whatsoever things are good report, praiseworthy, commendable. Simple questions. Is it constructive? 
Did you really have to say that to your wife that way? Was that really constructive, the way that you spoke to that fellow church person? Was that really necessary? Did you have to speak to your dad and your mom that way, children? Is it a good report? Is it, does it have virtue, more excellence, good quality? Whatsoever things are praise, worthy of recognition. Should I do this next thing in life? Should I go to this place? Should I say this? Should I read this? Should I watch this show? Well, is it worthy of praise? Would you be praised in the house of God? For doing it. Paul encouraged the brethren. That's who this is written to, folks. The brethren. Paul encouraged them to think on these things. The word think means this to consider something in a detailed manner. Here's what we're prone to do. We're prone to mull over things in our mind. Over and over and over again. To the point that we sometimes believe things that aren't even true. Because we've just mulled it over and over and over. There's conflicts today in families. Be transparent even within my family structure. That if you really rooted it out, went back and verified things, you'd say, wow, that was never true? And we're that mad at each other over that thing? There's people that aren't in churches tonight, tonight across this country, over things that they thought were true, that were said or done in churches like this, and they're not true. They just mold over them. They didn't think on the things that were true. They didn't verify. We're prone. We, to remain on a path that leads to godly living, we must make sure to screen every thought. One commentator said this, we are responsible for our thoughts and can hold, and can hold them to high and holy idol, ideals. You can't say, well, I was born into a family and then you paint and tell us the story of your family and you're a middle-aged man now and say, that's my problem. You can't. You have control of your thoughts. It might continually be a battle, but you can control them. One commentator said this, a believer... See, a believer is someone... That has trusted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and has a spirit inside, spirit of God inside of him. Amen? That's someone that God can change. That's someone that the Spirit of God can work with. A believer must constantly strengthen the moral integrity of his thought life. That's verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, and he gives us a filter of things to think on. Look at verse 9. He says this, those things, 
What things? The things he just listed in verse 8. You all with me? You see that? Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Those things, the things we just went through. I know we labored through the list. He says this, those things. Here's a Paul. Here's Paul now saying, which ye have both learned. So that means what? He taught them. He says, you've learned these things. I've taught you these things and received. Their testimony was to him that they received him and heard. You've you've heard this taught. You've heard this preached. You've heard this talked about. And then he says, and seen in me. You've seen these things. These things that I just listed. You've seen me, Paul says, do these things. And says, and seen in me, and then he says what? Do. Do. And then, and the God of peace shall be with you. See, he's talking to some people at this time that they didn't have the peace of living a life of joy because they were thinking on some things that they ought not to be thinking about. Impure things, things that weren't lovely, things that weren't true. All of those things that we just listed. And Paul is telling them this. I've taught you these things. And then he's basically saying in verse 9, And I've provided a life as an example. As best as I can tell you, Paul says this. He says, And I've tried to be an example to you. Wiersbe says it this way. In Paul's ministry, he not only taught the word, but he also lived it so that his listeners could see the truth in his life. He's saying this. I've taught you the true things. I've taught you the things that you should be thinking on. And then I tried to live them before you. He's talking to the brethren. He's preaching. He's teaching over and over again. And he reminds them, I've taught you these things already that we just covered in verse 8. And I've lived them. And he says, now that you've heard them, I've taught you. You've seen them in my life. Now you're supposed to what? Do them. And if you do, you'll have a life of peace. You'll have a life of joy. You won't be going around worried and worried and worried and worried. You'll just do them and you'll have joy. And sometimes we have to really manifest ourselves to say, oh, this is going to be a real good week. But when we really look at what God saved us from, and if we really start to filter our own thinking, we'll have a good week no matter what the weather is. No matter how the job goes. No matter how the relationships are between friends at work. If we'll think on these things, if we'll have the filter and we'll realize that. And if you really sit back and look at it, Paul is saying, I'm trying to be your role model. I'm trying to be an example. I'm trying to lead in this. I've taught you these things. It's kind of just like, well, it's kind of just like a pastor. It's kind of like the preacher saying, I've taught you these things. I've preached these things to you. You've heard me. And I've tried my best to live them. Now go do it. Yeah, it's kind of just like a preacher. Like your preacher. He's taught you these things. Either directly or indirectly. He's tried to give you an example. 
your own life, your preacher's wife, and the children. Yeah. It's kind of like your preacher. But it doesn't stop there. Parents have a leadership role too. Franz, I forget your son's name. Huh? Xavier? Xavier, I love that. Xavier. He's what, six months old? Huh? Nine? He's like a little tank, isn't he? I mean, that's a, that's a good, healthy boy, Xavier. The, Xavier the tank. Let's just call him that. Church vote? I mean, that's a, that's a thick boy, Xavier. Yeah. You know what Franz cannot do? He cannot just teach Xavier these things. He has to teach them and live them. Because if he just teaches them and he doesn't live them, He's sending a very bad message to his son. Kids figure things out, don't they? Mom, Dad, you don't even do what you're teaching and preaching to me. And then we just force and force and say comply and comply and comply to our children. And they're not full of joy. Maybe you're here this evening. And you think about some of the leadership roles you've had in family, even in the church house. These little girls, these little boys, they may not have your genetics in them. They may not have your bloodline in them. But if you're an adult, you're showing all these boys and girls how to live a joyful life. But I guess the question is, are you living it? If you are not, what's stopping you tonight? To take a simple step of starting to filter your thinking. Because wrong living is nothing but a product of wrong thinking. I was speaking to one of the ladies here about having lost family. If you have lost family here tonight, raise your hand. You have family that's never accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. I think everybody just raised a hand. I was speaking to one of the ladies, two of the ladies, this evening. This isn't towards them. It isn't towards me as an example either. But I know of family members within my family. That, will not be, that are not in church tonight because they've looked at Christian family members in my family and said, you think I want that life? Are you kidding me? They're about the most unhappy individual in our whole family. Old aunt so-and-so's got a sourpuss look on her face all the time. Why would I want to have that? Old uncle so-and-so, he's a grumpy old man. Why would I want to have that? Maybe sometimes our filter is clogged up. See, the Philippian believers were, were blessed to observe from an example of Paul firsthand. They learned from Paul. They added things up in his life. They came to understand important truths as a result. This came from what they heard and saw in his life. They received his example.
It is something to observe something in a person's life. And then another to accept it into your own life. Do you know who can teach younger Christians? Sometimes that does have no relevance to physical age. But younger Christians, you know who can teach them how to live a joyful life for Christ? Other Christians. Yep. Paul exhorted them to practice what they observed in his life. And they were simply to carry it out. They followed his example. They would enjoy God's presence and peace. Yep. Here's the central idea of this whole text, in my opinion. Paul exhorted the Philippian believers to filter their thoughts and actions so that they might enjoy a relationship with God filled with peace and joy. Are you living a life of peace? Or are you just worried? Ate up. You don't have joy. Here's the application. You and I have to filter our thoughts and actions to enjoy a peaceful relationship with God. Do you filter your thoughts or do you allow them to go unfiltered? What needs to change in order for you to have your thoughts filtered? Here's an example. Did you know we use filters all the time? (laughs) This is a pretty fancy filter. This has a picture of a cat. In Oklahoma, we don't like cats that much. <laughs> but here's a nice picture of a cat, and then a dog, and then a cigarette, and then some flowers. This electrostatic filter, it activated, it's an activated carbon, and it absorbs cigarette smoke, cooking odors, pet odors, bathroom smells, and more, and it says, see back. has a picture of it controls, it filters out pollen. It filters out pet smell. It filters out industrial smells. It filters out dust mites. On the back, it has a little deal. You can take a picture of your iPhone, and it will remind you when to change it. You know what I've learned when it comes to filtration systems on homes with your air conditioning and your heating system? When your heating system or your air conditioning system isn't working and you call your AC man or your heat man, do you know what the first question is that it'll ask you? Just check your filter. That's what he's going to say. Before I come out there and charge you $580, <laughs> did you check your filter? I remember the time it happened to me. Our air conditioning system wasn't working, and it was hot outside, and the house was getting really hot inside, and it was bad. Called him up, and he says, did you check the filter? And I said, no. And he said, go check your filter. Call me back. Check my filter. It was all clogged up. I was newly married. No one ever taught me in marriage counseling classes that as a man you're supposed to check your filters. No one ever taught me that. Didn't know. I didn't know any better. So I changed the filter. 
man, that thing started working just fine. Before I needed even really a repairman, all that I had to do was just some simple maintenance. You know what tonight's message is? Just a simple maintenance message. Are you all clogged up tonight? Not really at peace with God, with each other, with your spouse, with your children, with the Lord. You just would like to leave the the brethren here and think, well, I'll just go find me another church. Maybe if your filter's all clogged up, the reason that it's real hot is because the filtration system is all clogged up. Do you know who Jeff Copes' biggest problem is? I'm holding him right now. <laughs> yeah. Every time I preach this message this afternoon in the hotel, I had to check my filter. Yeah. Man, Oklahoma City Thunder was on. It was a close game. And as soon as that game was over with, just shut the TV down. And started checking my filter. You know what I found? I'll be real transparent to you. You know what I found? Man, I sure could clean up my thinking a lot more just by keeping a lot of the world just way outside. Way outside. I have found this passage to help me in my marriage like I haven't seen in a long time. There's a lot of good stuff out there on marriage. But husbands, if you filter your thinking, ladies, if you'll filter your thinking, I guarantee you, you'll have a better marriage. Want to have fellowship with each other like you've never experienced as brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ? Filter your thinking. Want to have a relationship with your children like you've never experienced before? Filter your thinking. Yep. Want to see your children live a life as a happy little child? Dad, mom, filter your thinking. So I just have a question. Anybody want to check their filter out? Yep. I advise you really heavily. I really advise you to check it before the system gets real hot and it overheats and you break something very permanently. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. And Lord, may we all be able to walk out of this building this evening being very confident that we've heard from you and that you have heard from us by doing business with you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. If you need to come.